I once heard a pastor talk about two different kingdoms that, whether we are aware of it or not, exist among us right now. And one of those is the kingdom of heaven, the other is the kingdom of this world. And he went on to explain it using a metaphor of two different rivers that are running side by side of each other, separated by just maybe a foot of land, and they're heading in opposite directions. And one of those rivers represents the kingdom of heaven, the other represents the kingdom of this world. And for a while now, those two rivers have been moving at a slow enough pace that Christians have been able to stand with one foot in this river and one foot in this river, sort of live with a leg in the world and a leg in the kingdom of heaven, but that we are now entering into times where those rivers are going to start to speed up and move at faster and faster rates in the opposite direction. And pretty soon, we're not going to be able to live with one foot here and one foot here. It's going to turn into a all in this or all in this one kind of a thing. And the first time I heard that, it it gave me a tinge of fear in a good way, I think. And um, I thought, okay, what does that look like for us? Because as followers of Christ, we belong to the kingdom of heaven, yet we live out our lives in this world. It was not Jesus' wish for us to be out of the world, but rather for us to live out our lives within this world. We see this in John chapter 17, starting in verse 14. Jesus is saying a prayer to his heavenly Father, and he's praying for his followers. He's praying for me, and he's praying for you. And he says this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So Father, I'm not praying that you would take them out of this world, but rather that you would protect them while they're in this world, keep them safe from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth of your word, because it is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So his wish was not for us to be taken out of this world, but rather for us to be his lights and his agents within the kingdom of the world, belonging at the same time to the kingdom of heaven. We are not called to judge this world, but rather to love this world. And so the question is, how do we live in this world and yet not fall into the current of it? and be agents of the kingdom of heaven. We are not called to judge, we are not called to complain, and we are not called to simply talk about all the things that are wrong with this world. Rather, we are called to love it and change it from the inside out behind enemy lines as his active agents of redemption, offering our city the one and only hope and truth that there is, Jesus Christ. Check, check, check. Hello, what's up, guys? 200. I did the math, 238 hours from right now, the Denver Broncos will be 1-0, the Baltimore Ravens will be in between crying sessions because this is our year. I am declaring it out loud ahead of time, proclaiming it over our city, over the nation that this is the Broncos year. Can I hear it? Yeah. This is our year. I'm a believer and a believer, and I mean that. (laughs) <laughs> hey guys, tonight, welcome to Young Adults. We're so glad that you're here. I'm, uh, I'm confident about tonight. Tonight is going to be a good night of church. It's also going to be a real night of church and possibly a sobering night of church. It's, become, it's been very real and sobering for me 
all week getting ready for this. Chad told me once, he said, hey, even if you have good things to say, if you're not prayed up, don't bother getting up on that stage. <laughs> that always stuck with me, and I've taken that very seriously in getting prayed up for Thursday nights, but this week specifically, I, I have never prayed more in my entire life than I have this entire week. Um, but I'm confident and I'm excited, not because, or here's the thing, because Thursday nights are not about Red Rocks Church's opinions on things or Doug's thoughts or Jesse's thoughts, and that's why I love it so much in a world where everybody is now an expert on everything and opinions are a dime a dozen. That's not what we come here to hear tonight. Tonight we come here to hear God's opinion and God's truth, and God's truth, by definition, does not change. It's rooted in creation and revealed to us through his scriptures, and tonight, that's why I'm confident and that's why I'm excited, because tonight we leave into what God happens to say about some certain things. So tonight, that's where we're going. And before we do that, I want to pray. Um, Jesus says that where two or more are gathered, he just hears us in like an extra special kind of way. And I can't really explain that, but that's what we have here tonight is two or more gathered. So would you guys pray with me? Can we start off like that? Is that cool? We're about to, to speak to God. Like, not, don't forget how ridiculous this concept is, all right? Let's do this. Heavenly Father, God, I love you so much and... God, we just, we just right now, we humble ourselves and acknowledge that you are God and we are not. And you know things and we don't, but you choose to reveal things to us. So would you do that tonight? Would you be present in this place tonight? Would you prepare ears and prepare hearts to hear truth tonight, including mine? That's what I pray, and that's what I ask in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so as you saw from the video and from these awesome graphics that Charlotte made, we are in a new series called A Tale of Two Kingdoms. Tonight, we are talking about the kingdom of the world, and next week, Jess is going to come up here and talk about the kingdom of heaven, and that's not because I drew the short straw and have to talk about that. Like, here's what I believe, that, that God, like, created Jesse and put her on this planet to fire our generation up about the kingdom of heaven. She's so good at it, so passionate, so she's going to bring that next week. But in order to more appreciate that, sometimes we just, we need to be honest about things like our world and our culture and where we're at right now. And I know you heard me kind of describe it as a river and as a current. I don't know if anybody in here has ever been caught in a river or a riptide or a current. I have a few stories like that, one of which was my junior year of high school. I, uh, I signed up to take aquatic biology with a few of my friends because we love sharks and wanted to learn about sharks. Turns out sharks was one day of the entire semester, so totally got gypped. All I remember was that one day and our final project that we did, which involved us having to go to the Platte River and collect water bugs and specimens and bring them back into the classroom to study and take notes on and sound super exciting, I know. And, and um, so this was early April of my junior year of high school. It's one of those Colorado weeks where it's just blizzarding or downpouring on and off nonstop. Um, and it's freezing cold, and one afternoon we go to the Platte River, and none of us want to be the one to put on the waders and actually get into the river. But I, maybe I lost a bet. I can't remember, but I was the guy that, that had to do that. So I put on these waders, and I walk about five to ten steps into this river that's moving quickly because it had been raining and snowing all week, and I'm walking on these very slippery rocks, and I brace myself on two rocks with the water about up to my waist, moving this way quickly with my net about to collect water bugs. I realize how ridiculous this sounds, how uncool this makes me seem. 
and then I, I just slip and immediately go under. I don't know if you've ever been in a river or water with waders on. When you fall in the water, immediately fills up inside of your waders. So I go from being a 140-pound high school kid to a 250-pound guy because I'm so full of water in my waders. It pulls me underneath, and I'm trying to just do anything I can to keep my head above. And I'm not exaggerating. Like, I probably got pulled 20 to 30 yards downstream, like down this river, doing everything I could trying to keep my head up and trying to grab onto any kind of like rock or branch and my buddies are there and they're running after me. One guy filmed it and I'd show you that, but <laughs> this was 2005 and he had like a razor phone so the footage wasn't good. And, and, but I have good friends and I finally grab onto one branch and then my buddy Corey comes out onto this tree and pulls me up out of the river and, and I get back to just the side of the river in a complete state of shock. Like I almost just died, like on the verge of hypothermia. But I have, I have great friends, except for the guy who was filming me drowning. He's not a great friend. But one of the guys had a sleeping bag in their car. And so I changed out of my drenched clothes and the sleeping bag became my new outfit. And they, they to cheer me up, took me to Tokyo Joe's and got me some hot tea and a big steak spicy ackee bowl. And I was emotionally healed relatively quickly because Tokyo Joe's is just good for your soul. It just is. That guy who filmed me, man. Like, I almost died. I'm not. Whatever, it's over. So here's the thing. I know what it's like to fall into a literal river and current. And you, the, the rule is you go where the current takes you. But I also know what it's like to fall into cultural currents and worldly and sinful currents. I completely understand how individual persons can stumble into dark things. I am an individual, broken human being who has experienced that. I've stumbled into the currents of sexual immorality and alcohol, and I could, I could go on with that list. I won't, but I tell you that for two reasons. Number one, because I always just want to be real with you guys when I'm up here. And number two, I tell you that so I can follow it up by saying I've also experienced the love and redemption of a God who's crazy about me, who pulled me out of it, much like my buddy Corey pulled me out of that river. And that's the only thing I have to boast about tonight is Jesus and what he has done for me. And so tonight, tonight when we talk about some more serious and challenging topics in our culture, like, for instance, the challenging topic of abortion right now. It's so imperative that we see everything tonight and we witness everything tonight through the filter of grace because that's the way God sees all of this. We have a good God who restores and redeems and makes things new. For instance, I have two friends who I'm privileged to call my best friends, two of my best friends, and, and both of them have their testimonies involve abortion. And to this day, they are two of the most godly women that I know who have experienced the redemption and the love of a God who is crazy about them in a way that they can now turn around and share that same redemption, redemption and love with women who are in similar positions that they were once in, because that's how this whole thing works. God saves broken people and redeems them so they can go find more broken people and redeem them so that God can take those broken people and go find more broken people who have redemption in their future as well. In the kingdom of God, there are no varsity sins or JV sins. There's no measurement system biblically when it comes to measuring how far short of the glory of God any of us are fallen. We are all in the same boat in here tonight, all sinners saved by grace in need of love, screwed without Jesus. That's all any of this is, so you should feel right at home in this room. 
Even Paul in 1 Timothy would say, if you want to get into the whole ranking thing on how bad we've screwed up, I beat all of you. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, I'm the quote-unquote worst of all sinners, okay? The darkest days of my life were spent persecuting and murdering Christians, and then the grace of God just exploded onto the scene in my life, redeemed me, and used me to change the world. So that's Paul's story, murderer used by God to change the world. So I don't know what your story is tonight. I know what mine is. I don't know what yours is, whether it's abuse or addiction or self-medication or sexual immorality or abortion, whatever it is, you have not gone beyond the bounds of the grace of God because even if you tried, you could not go beyond the bounds of the grace of God. Nobody in this room has the ability to outsin God's grace. You are not better at sinning than the king of the universe is at saving you from that sin. He says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so if God doesn't condemn you, then nobody can condemn you, and that includes you condemning yourself. Maybe you need to hear this tonight, I know I do, but you are doing far better than you think you are tonight because of the grace of God. Whether you feel it or not, we do not live and die off of what we feel. We live and die by what is truth. Truth is unchanging, and truth says that you are perfect because of Jesus Christ, at least according to the Bible, and I tend to stick with the Bible on things. Hebrews chapter 10 says that Because of Jesus, your status in front of God is perfection, regardless of the fact that you're a work in progress. Isn't that awesome? I'm a work in progress, but my status in front of the creator is perfection. I love that. The cross of Christ is the grace that washes me white as snow on this stage tonight. Washes you white as snow in your chair tonight. And it is imperative, you guys, that for the next 20 minutes that we don't forget any of that. I've been praying all week that I would handle tonight when we talk about the kingdom of the world, I wanna handle it with such love and by definition, love is grace and truth. If you have grace without truth, you become detached from reality. If you have truth without grace, it's like trying to nail a mirror to a wall, it's not gonna end well. You need truth and you need grace. And so as we move forward and we talk about truth and we talk about where our world is heading and all these different kinds of things, let us, like, I've been thinking about it, pick up glasses that are like lenses of grace that we just talked about so that we can view truth from now on tonight through God's lenses of grace because that's how he sees it. And so... With that said, the Bible is, um, is very clear in a few different places that there are indeed two kingdoms. And the only thing that separates those two kingdoms and moves you from one to the other is the person and work of Jesus Christ. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He says, For he, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So he's rescued us from the kingdom of this world and transferred us into the kingdom of heaven. He, his son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So it's not our behavior that saves us. It's not our spiritual resumes that save us. It's not how many little kittens we've rescued from trees that saves us. It's the grace of God and the person and work of Jesus Christ and that alone that transfers us from one kingdom to the other, which is why Paul says in Ephesians 
Somewhere, I think Ephesians chapter 2, he says, that's why Christians have no reason to boast. Like, what do you, like you got saved because you couldn't save yourself, transferred from one kingdom to the other. If you're going to brag about anything, brag about Jesus Christ. And so we're transferred into the kingdom of heaven, yet we live out our lives physically in the kingdom of this world. And the story of this world goes all the way back to Eden in the very beginning when Eve took a bite of that apple, if it was an apple, I think. I have no idea. Probably some crazy fruit that none of us have ever heard of. She takes a bite of it, and Romans chapter 8 says that the DNA of all of creation was cracked in that moment. And like a cancer, sin entered the world, according to Romans chapter 8, and is decaying everything slowly from that period on. And we feel, we feel, we feel, we feel the effects of that today. And in our culture right now wants to do everything to pretend that nothing's wrong, even though every single one of us, including creation, knows and understands that something's wrong. If he, uh, Philip, no, Romans chapter 8, sorry, Romans 8 would go on to say that even creation understands, like the mountains and the oceans are, are even like groaning out for Christ to come back and put an end to all this decay once and for all. Like creation understands that something's wrong and wants Jesus to finally finish it. And, and the response that Paul kind of outlines in Romans chapter 1 of humanity to sin entering the world is sort of to take matters into our own hands. It's kind of the bent of humanity to take matters into our own hands and out of God's hands and say, hey, we can handle this without you and worship the created world as opposed to the creator of the created world. And throughout history, what you have is culture after culture after culture that has taken matters into their own hands, worshiping the created world above the creator, and nothing ever goes well when that happens. In our current day and age, that's what our culture is doing. And right now, we're doing it in the name of love. Judah Smith makes a great point. He says, um, rather than proclaim that God is love, we live and act right now as if love is God, where everything's fine. Like, never, never tell anybody that something is harmful or against the will of God, because after all, love is God, and that's not the loving thing to do. So accept everything, tolerate everything, call out nothing, give us grace, 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 and leave truth completely out of it. And truth is that we no longer live in a country that is one nation under God. We don't. We live in a country that has taken matters out of God's hands and brought it into our hands. And that's not, that's not dramatic. That's, that's reality. And throughout the Bible, what we see, and this is continuing in Romans chapter 1, we see God's response to people groups who take matters out of his hands and bring it into their own and basically say, hey, you're God, but we, we got this. We're going to do it this way. And God's response is not... It's not fun to read about, and it's probably, it might sound a little unexpected to you, but basically God's response to people who think that they know better than him is essentially turning them over to that and saying, all right, you know better than me? I won't bother you anymore. You want to give it a shot? You guys think that you know better than I do? All right, go for it. Swing away. See what happens. This is the message version of Romans 1, 24 through 28. So God said, in effect, if that's what you want, that's what you get. They traded the true God for a fake God and worshiped the God that they made rather than the God who made them. Worse followed. Refusing to know God, they soon did not know how to be human either. Now, I hate this part. 
Since they did not bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. And following that, all hell breaks loose. So that's a scary thought to think that God would give people groups over to their depraved way of thinking and say, all right, if that's what you want, then that's what you get. And the implications of that are scary because essentially God gives people groups over to their way of thinking and those people groups get detached from his real truth and their truth now becomes the way of thinking that God has surrendered them to. And we see this exact thing right now play out in our culture in so many different ways. None greater, and here we go, none greater right now than the issue of abortion in our nation. And I know that this is a sensitive topic. Um, and I, like, I've prayed like, all of my prayers this week, like it has not left my brain. And when the big man upstairs says, you share this, then I share this. And that's, that's how it works. And um, I know that abortion is the story for some people in here. And you need to know that you, you are not as alone as you think you are. And you are so much more loved than you probably will ever realize that you are. You cannot go beyond the bounds of God's grace. There are no varsity sins in the kingdom of God that are more shameful than others. I hate, like, I hate that. I've thought that too about things that have happened in my life, but that's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. If that's your story, then, then you, need, you need to please, please, please hear me tonight. Like I, I completely get how you stumble into things like that. I am a broken human being who does that. And if that's your story and you just need somebody to talk to you, man, we have a staff here, specifically the ladies on our staff, and Jess and Whitney and Rachel and my wife who will be out near the YA Connect area after service. And if you, wanna, if you just need somebody to cry with or laugh with or you need a hug or you need to talk or pray, they'd be more than thrilled to have the honor of experiencing that and sharing that with you. And if you're in here tonight and you, you're in a situation where you're scared to death and you feel like maybe abortion is the only way out, then please come talk to, to us, to Jesse or my wife or somebody before this service is over because we will, we, we're, we're in. We're all in. Our chips are in. We will do everything that we can. Prayer, talking, if you need help with resources, we can figure something out. Just please do not leave here feeling guilt because it's from the pit of hell. God redeems. God sees everything through grace. I understand. Everybody in this room understands what it's like to stumble into dark things. The problem is when we have masses and masses and masses of people in our world who are all in a river heading a certain direction and nobody's saying anything. That's when we have a problem. And that's what we have right now. And so... If you're like, Doug, don't get political on me. I promise you this is not a political issue at all. This is a church issue. This is a heart. This is a life and death and soul kind of issue that sometimes is argued about in the political realm, but this is a church issue that we need to take seriously in here. And, and I, I, I'm smart enough to get my points from men and women who are a lot smarter than me about this stuff. And Matt Chandler, pastor in Dallas, makes a brilliant point when addressing this and relating this to Romans chapter 1 and God giving people groups over to their way of thinking, he says, I have a lot of conversations with, with secular thinkers who love to bring up the hard issues and the hard questions. And a lot of times what they'll do is bring up scientific issues and how those scientific issues oftentimes assault the word of God and say, well, 
how do you reconcile, like what about dinosaurs or old earth or new earth? How do you reconcile science and faith when it comes to this particular, you know? And there is one topic of conversation that the secular humanist of our day and age would rather science stay out of the conversation, and that is the topic of abortion. And the reason for that is that science itself, not the word of God, although the word of God weighs in that life starts at conception, but I'm not even, I'm talking about science. Science itself would say that the one million plus fetuses that are aborted in the United States every single year are human lives that are being taken. Scientifically, it's a fact. Abortion is the taking of a life, and nobody who wants to keep any sort of intellectual integrity would argue against that. Here's a quote. This might make you tear up. Written by a lady named Mary Elizabeth Williams, who is very heavily pro-abortion, and even she agrees with what I just said. She says this, the life conversation is often too thorny to even broach. Yet I know throughout my own pregnancies, I never wavered for a moment in the belief that I was carrying a human life inside of me. I believe that's what a fetus is, a human life. And that does not make me one iota less solidly pro-choice. So she, she has no doubt that the fetus she's carrying inside of her and that millions of other women as well, that those are lives, that those are human lives. Yet it doesn't change even one iota away of how she feels about abortion. And I read that going like, like how, like what? How do you... How do you think that and so nonchalantly write that down in an article? And how do millions of Americans back her up with that? And it's either they know it's crazy and they ignore it, or they feel conviction and they suppress it, or the Bible is right. And Romans chapter 1 has truly taken place and they've been given over to a way of thinking and as a nation, no longer have the part of their conscience that would tell them and scream at them that this is so logically insane. That indeed, that part of their conscience for a large people group has been seared, has been singed. That God has handed that over. That God says, all right, you want to live that way and think that way so badly? I'll give you over to live that way and think that way just like you wanted if that's what you want, that's what you get. And, and I use abortion. I could have used a hundred different other things to make this point. But as a young adult staff, we've been just so moved recently and crying out to God on behalf of our nation over this subject and just tearing up and, and just feeling such an urgency and such a need to say something about it. But I mean, I could, like, film, like, you could have used, I could have used sexual immorality, pornography, Ashley Madison, pride, like, a thousand different things that are going on in our country right now to explain this exact same thing. And I'm aware that it's not chipper or cheery, but it is biblical, and it's the world that you and I find ourselves in the middle of right now. This is the river and the current and the direction that our world is heading, and if we want to do something about it, then we need to better understand it, because our nation, I promise you this, God has not given up on the United States of America. I promise you that. I was walking a few months ago down the strip in Las Vegas, thinking, God, surely, like, surely you've given up on this, and, and he hasn't. That blows, like, God has not given up at the, on the United States of America, but I believe this, and I heard Chad say this the other night, we are at a crossroads point with our nation right now. He has not given up, but we are at a point where we need to make some decisions and make some changes. And throughout 
scriptures, what you find is small groups of people standing up on behalf of larger groups of people, and God hears them. Small groups of people have changed this world, and that's exactly what we have in this place tonight. And so, here's my 90s movie metaphor for you tonight. I love this. Any Mighty Duck fans in the room? Thank you. Thank you. I could probably quote all three movies to you, but I'm not kidding. Last year, Valentine's Day, that's what my wife got me, was the trilogy. That's beautiful. Beautiful. All right. In D2, the Mighty Ducks, the Mighty Ducks have made the transition from being the little peewee squad Mighty Ducks to Team USA because they won their peewee championship. That seems like a bit of a promotion to me, but they're in, they're Team USA and they're going up against the heavily favored Iceland team who is bigger than them, stronger than, stronger than them, faster than them, has way more facial hair than them, all right? That's one of the quotes, direct quote. And in the second period, Team USA, the Ducks, they realize that they're probably going to lose this game and they don't really stand a chance, that Iceland is just too good and they're too fast and that they're going down. And so what they decide to do is say, all right, we're going down. We're going to go down as flashy as we possibly can. We're going to go down in a ball of fire. And so they turn the hockey game into a circus and start throwing, like, punches and getting into fights with the Iceland team. The Bash brothers are getting the crowd going. Like, Dean Portman starts stripping in the penalty box. And Dwayne, that cowboy guy, lassos. You know what I mean? And then it's a circus. No integrity, just We're going to go down with all the pride that we got. And then they go to the locker room, and everybody's stoked. And then Gordon Bombay walks in, and in typical Bombay fashion, Gordon Bombay says, did you all enjoy that? And everybody's like, yeah, they're cheering. Like, yeah. He's like, all right, good. So did they. Because they're still three points up, and we're one period away from defeat. And the silence. And then one kid speaks up and says, well, if we can't beat them, we might as well keep our pride And then Bombay kind of corrects that and says that's not pride. And he reminds them of who they are and where they came from, where where they come from and who they stand for as a team. And then they go back out for the third period. And then because they're the mighty ducks and it's some kind of law of nature, they win. They win the game, the championship game against Iceland. And and, um, hear me out with this. So I was watching the VMAs on Sunday night and... And it was hard to watch, and that's not me being dramatic. Like, it kind of broke my heart a little bit to watch, um, because this is the group of influence within our generation, and they have a stage that the rest of the world sees. And what we celebrate on stage is a reflection of what we hold as values as a generation. And I'm I'm not judging anybody about any of that, okay? I'm not a good enough person to judge anybody on anything. Um... And quick side note, this might make you laugh, but um, Justin Bieber, I love Justin Bieber. And, and for some reason, like when I'm praying, like once or twice throughout the week, he'll just pop into my mind while I'm praying and I'll pray for Justin Bieber. I don't know why. I, lo- I love the guy. I love, I just feel like God maybe one day wants to do something big through him and I'm going to be obedient and pray. And, and, and I really like him and Katy Perry, for some reason, nobody else, Nobody else but Justin Bieber and Katy Perry both have just soft spots in my heart. And I love, I love Justin's music, especially like when he was 13 and sounded like a girl. Like that song, that song One Time, that's one of my favorite songs. Wide Awake by Katy Perry. I will shamelessly blast both of those songs in my car with the windows down for days, okay? Love that. And I'm going to believe that maybe one day God will do something big between, or 
through one of them or both of them. And um, anyway, so I'm not judging, but I'm watching the VMAs, and you just like, you see like Miley up there doing her thing, and then all these raunchy music videos that are getting celebrated and awarded, and Kanye West announcing he wants to run for president in 2020. <laughs> and everybody's just going nuts. Like, yeah, like, hands up, hands raised towards the stage, like, loving it, drinking it in, going crazy, like, this is the best. And I imagined, well, to me, it almost seemed like, it almost seemed like, our, like we knew as a generation that we're going down, like the ducks did. Just like, we're going down, and if that's the case, we might as do this thing as we might as well do this thing as flashy as we possibly can. Like, forget the integrity, forget the humility. Let's, with as much pride, as much haughtiness, as as much flashiness, like as over the top. Rome is burning. Let's go dance in the street. This ship is going down. Let's throw a party on the deck. Like, we're going down in the biggest ball of fire that we possibly can. It was like it was almost as if somewhere deep down, like our generation knew that. You know, in an eerie kind of way to me. Or we've been turned over to our own way of thinking so much that we're completely oblivious to the fact that God's blessing is removed currently. And I imagined a Gordon Bombay speech. <laughs> and, and the Mighty Ducks Bombay asked his team, he's like, did y'all enjoy that? And they all go nuts. And he says, all right, good. So did they. Because they're still three points up and we are one period away from defeat. And I imagine him like huddling up our entire generation after the VMAs. Like, did y'all enjoy that? And, and our generation just like going nuts. Like, yeah. And him saying, all right, good. So does the enemy. He's having a field day right now. He is points up and we are one period away from defeat. And they're the mighty ducks and they always win. But we... And I was born here, I'm proud to be an American and I feel like we have the spirit of always winning here, but we can lose. If nothing changes, if decisions aren't made, we, we can go down in a ball of fire. And I don't believe that's gonna happen because I'm an optimistic guy and I'm just gonna choose that, that that's not gonna happen. I'm gonna believe for it and I'm gonna pray for it. And this game is not over. We are entering into the final period. And it is now or never. We are at a crossroads and it starts with the church. We need a revival now in this country more than ever, in this world more than ever. And it, start, it doesn't start with the world. It starts with God's people. It starts with the church. And here's a cool fact. Every revival in the history of this country started with young adults. That's cool. Christine Payne would say this. She said, don't be mad at the world for acting like the world. Like, biblically, the world is supposed to get darker and darker and darker as the Romans 8 described the sin as decaying quicker and quicker and quicker. Don't, don't let that surprise you. It's supposed to get darker and darker. Don't get mad at the world for acting like the world, but get fired up at the church to rise to a new level of burning brighter and brighter and brighter as God's one and only lighthouse in this world for a very, very dark world that needs us to rise to that new level of brightness. Get fired up about the church, about God's people getting brighter and brighter and brighter. In Second Chronicles, and Jess is gonna talk more about this next week. Love this verse, 714. If my people, that's us, that's not the world, that's the church, that's us. If my people 
who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear them from heaven. I will hear them and forgive their sins and restore their land. It's a very practical, straightforward verse. Jess is gonna dive into it more next week. I will hear them if my people humble themselves. But it starts with my people. It starts with the church. The United States has been a great nation because the church in this country has been great from the very beginning. Jesse and I talked about that this morning. Any nation that has been great is because the church in that nation has been great. And we need to remember where we came, like, here's a fun fact, like, the founding fathers locked themselves in a chapel and fasted and prayed with each other for three days before they stood up, walked out, and wrote the documents that our country is founded upon. That's our roots. That's where we come from. It started with God's people, and now it's gonna start again with God's people. And why not us? Every revival has started with young adults. Why not us? This is not, come on guys, what do they, this is, everything's a mess and we have a shot to rise up and do something about it. Who cares if we're young? Look at this verse, I love this. 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but rather be an example for who? For believers, not for the world, but for believers. Like, why don't you just lead? Here it is, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but how about you just lead my people? in what you say, in the way you live, in the way that you love, your faith, and in your purity. We're the young adults in this nation, but why not us? Like, why not us positioning ourselves between the world and God and calling out on behalf of the world to Him? Like, what would it look like for for us to drive around in our cars through our neighborhoods and through Denver or Lakewood or Littleton or Breckenridge or Arvada or Aurora or to school or home from work and just in our cars by ourselves, just cry out for God to rain down blessings and mercy and grace and and favor on our city in the name of Jesus Christ. Like, what if you personally took it upon yourself to be like, I'm gonna be the middleman and I'll own that. I'll cry out in my neighborhood for God to rain down mercy on this place. God hears individual people. It's one of the coolest parts of the Bible. Individual people stepping up as middlemen and middlewomen and God hears them and God does crazy things. I was in Denver early this morning before we filmed that video. I got up before the sunrise and sat on a bench and watched the sun come up over the city and I understand how super Christian that sounds, okay? But it came up over the city. I was just thinking about tonight and praying about tonight and praying for Denver and just like, I was thinking like how much God must, must love this city and this place. Like God wants to move. Every person in that city is created in his image. He wants wants to move. Like John 3, 17 says that Jesus came into the world not to judge it, not yet, but to save it. Like God came to this earth to save. Have you ever thought about how weird that is from God's perspective? Like he didn't have to do that. Why did he do that? Because God wants so badly to move and he laid down his rights. So what if we laid down rights that we have? And we cried out to him on behalf of our world, on behalf of our culture, on behalf of our cities and on behalf of our country for God to restore consciences. Because Romans 8, 1, I'm gonna believe with all my heart that can be undone and reversed. What if we infiltrated Denver with his love, not with our own opinions spoken through our angst and our emotions, but rather his 
truth spoken by his grace. And we brought love to this place because this nation, man, it's full of amazing and beautiful people who are broken and sick, just like we are. And it starts with us because this, this church, this is the hospital. Jesus said, I did not come for the healthy. I came for the sick who need a doctor. It starts with, starts with us. This is his hospital. And in case you need to be reminded one more time, you are positionally perfect in God's eyes, even though you are a work in progress. And you are a resident of the kingdom of heaven despite the fact that you live in this world, which is why that we can enter into this world and do everything that we possibly can to change currents. And more importantly than that, be active agents of redemption used by God to pull as many people out of the river as we can. Because all kingdoms in this world come to an end. That's why we have history books. We read about nations we read about kingdoms, we read about dynasties that have all had their time and have faded. Every person, every reputation, every sports team or sports dynasty or season of glory days, every company, every school will fade. Nothing's eternal. One thing is eternal, and that's the kingdom of heaven, which exists somewhere beyond this, yet somehow is invading this space with its hope at the very same time, which is why Jesus said, man, pray that my kingdom would come. Pray that my kingdom of come would come. Like Chris Kane says, let us believe and live like we are a part of something that has a much greater future than it does a history. And I'm gonna choose to pray and believe that that's the case. Pray for our world, pray for our nation, pray for his kingdom to come. I was thinking about that, like what, what causes God to turn people groups over to their way of thinking? It's us saying, don't need you, fine without you. Rather have your stuff, God, than have you. Thanks, but we're good. And God says, all right, go get them. So what would reverse that? I was thinking like, man, what do we pray this week? What do we cry out in this next season of our country? The opposite of that, I would think. That God, right now, like, your stuff's great, but what we need is you. In my life, my, my stuff's great. I'll take the blessing. What I need is, is the blessing of having more of you, God. That's what I want. Our country needs you. You know better than we do. We've tried to do it on our own, and, and God, we were wrong, and we repent, and we are sorry. Like, God, we need you. Be the captain of our country. That's what I'm going to pray this week, and... Um, and I'd be honored if you guys would join me in that prayer this week, in your cars, at home in bed before you fall asleep, wherever it is, just crying out to him, God, we need you. We want you more than any, more than your stuff, more like we want you. Because he hears people, small groups of people are the only thing that have ever changed this world. And that's what we have right in this building. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we need you. On behalf of the world that we live in, God, we, we just repent. Of all the ways that we've chosen your creation over you and all the ways that we've lived, I know none of us would say out loud that we think we know better than you, but we've lived in so many different ways that would speak through our actions that that's what we believe and we, we repent of that. We don't know better than you. 
You are God, and you know things we don't. You see things we don't. You have perspective that we do not have. And right now, on behalf of our world, on behalf of our nation, on behalf of Denver, Colorado, God, I ask that you would move in the hearts of your people, of your church, because it begins with us. Teach us to take repentance and revival and prayer seriously, God. Teach us to take it seriously. Teach us to cry out to you, to once again take control. And God, I just pray for our generation. I, I don't know if we think we're going down in a ball of fire or if we're oblivious. I don't know what that is, but I do know that I don't want the enemy to have his way in our nation. That ultimately your kingdom has victory but God, I wanna see a much bigger future than I do a history for this place so that we can continue to grow up in, in a, the land of the free, one nation under God, and so can our kids. God, we love you so much. We owe everything to you, nothing to boast but you. And we pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Let's stand up and let's sing.